Mandy Yakich from Creative Matters, and you're listening to Creative Matters On Air, where I have conversations with new and established artists from around New Zealand. I love to listen to artists' stories and learn about their creative process, and maybe you do too, which is why I've made this podcast, to inspire, inform and educate. I hope you can take away something positive and encouraging from each of these amazing stories to help you on your own creative journey. Welcome to Creative Matters episode 17. Thank you so much for listening. Today I've got a little bit of a winter cold, so please excuse the croaks. Today I'm talking to Arwen Flowers. Arwen is a New Zealand-born artist raised in the beautiful ranges, forests and beaches of the west coast of Auckland. Her recent artwork on canvas utilises a unique mix of media, dressmaking patterns, graphite, charcoal, metallic foil and paint. Through this unique multimedia approach, Arwen references landscape and oceanic forms while exploring intersections, crossovers and parallels between historical and modern European and Pacific Island culture and also themes of identity, often from a feminine perspective. Sourcing and using second-hand materials and creating poetry are part of her creative process and art-making ethos. The collages evolve naturally into combinations of craft and pattern, which reflect her historical European ancestry and the place of birth in the South Pacific. You can see her work on her blog, which is on our website, creativematters.co.nz, and you can check out her website, kiwiartist.com. Welcome to Creative Matters on Air, Arwen. Hi, nice to be here. It's a beautiful day. Yeah, cold, but beautiful. Yeah. Yeah, it's good to have you. Thank you. How's your week been? Uh, busy. Yes, always busy though. It's like a standard answer. Yeah, <laughs> most artists are. Yeah, yeah. Uh, juggling work, uh, being a mum and trying to get some artwork done. Yeah, it's mm. a full on most of the time. Yeah, <laughs> I know the feeling. <laughs> um, so let's just go back right to the beginning before we start talking about your practice and process. Mm-hmm. Um, can you tell us where you were born and something about your childhood? Um, I was born here in Auckland, um, but raised mostly in Waitakere. Yeah. Uh, my parents had a, a little little patch there, not a farm or anything, just a suburban home, but it wasn't suburbia then, it was quite rural. So, you know, I grew up around the mountains, the hills, um, parents liked to take us for walks through the bush, um, but we had family out in Point Chevalier and Howick, so it was quite common to travel in the weekends across the Northwestern Motorway, which later on informs my work in a, in a big way, just that that idea of travelling from one space to another, those transition moments um, became a feature of my work. So, But yeah, me and my sister, my younger sister, who's a fabulous singer and lives in Australia, mm. and my dad still lives in the original family home, um, and my mum lives in Walkworth. So yeah, they're still around. Mm. Cool. And was it a creative childhood? Oh yeah, absolutely. My parents were really supportive. Um Mum herself was a massive example to me. Um, she was always either painting oils, doing macrame, knitting dolls. Um, yeah, and she was always encouraging us to play with you know, usual Play-Doh and that kind of stuff. And I still remember going to Play Centre and doing all the fun crafts and things. And they were always my favourite things to do. Um, Dad, I think, encouraged me in uh, a sense of looking and being at things you know if he noticed he would teach me sort of observational skills um practical things I guess um and how to be resourceful uh I think that was one really important thing that he taught me um and also I think I've inherited dad's sort of innate curiosity for learning so I I love researching which is a big part of what I make and why I make Mm, it um so yeah good and I think mum always wanted to go to art school herself well, I know she did, um, but she didn't get the chance. Um, so I think in a way, both my sister and I went to art school and we did our own independent things, but we were raised in a household that encouraged it all. Mm, and um, valued it. Mm, music was another big part of it. Um, Dad was really into music. Well, they both had um, interesting music taste. And so I was raised in a household that encompassed not just visual arts, but music and you know, anything really. Mm-hmm. Um, they took us to the 
galleries, museum, you know. We didn't have a lot of money, so it was anything that was sort of fairly affordable mm, at the time. But, but that's great, but isn't yeah. it, to be so involved? Yeah, yeah. Being taught about the world around me by my parents because, you know, they wanted to um, grow us into good all-rounded, you know, adults. Mm, aware. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, that's very cool. And so um, with your art, did you feel like you had talent, you know, when you started high school and, and did that sort of, did you explore that side of things through high school? Yeah, um, when I was young, I guess I was encouraged uh, while I was told, hey, that's a great little drawing, you know. Um, so as a kid, I suppose you do what you feel you're good at doing because you're getting good feedback. Um so through primary school, I guess it started as early as that. Um, I was, you know, took my hand to trying to crochet and I was useless at knitting, but yeah, crochet was all right, <laughs> you know, making cards for the grandparents and things. Um, and then I went into high school and was just mad to do art, did as many art subjects as I could, so which included photography, painting, design, um, art history, and I wasn't allowed to do any more than that. So <laughs> had to be English and science with those ones. Damn. Um, yeah. Uh, so I did as much as I could. And then I guess the next step was to go to art school. I went to Elam um, mm. in Auckland. And that was straight after school? That was straight out of high school. Um, wow. And I just had this firm belief that it was the next step and it was what I wanted to do. Mm. Um, I did really well with art at the end of high school, getting scholarship art, which was a help. Yeah. Um, and once I got into art school, however, it was a different story, um, a completely different environment. And I was quite an introvert and quite quiet. And this was before the internet. So the idea of studying and physically moving from out of my flat to the art school space um, was a challenge in itself. And the idea of forming relationships with tutors and asking them questions was also a massive hurdle for me. Mm. Um, cultivating friendships with strange and new people was a massive hurdle. So I, I, I floundered quite a lot in that environment. I didn't really know what I was doing. Mm, well, you're still and young, weren't you? Yeah. I, I mean, it's a lot about, I suppose, finding, finding out who you are as an artist, what art means to you, what you're trying to do with your art. And I was instinctively trying to do that, but wasn't aware of it and wasn't having enough conversations about it. Um, I was sort of thrown into that that mix where you're expected to do things, but you're not actually sure sometimes what those expectations are, trying yeah. to sort of unravel what's going on. Yeah, I can imagine. Um, and did you, what were you, what kind of things were you doing? Uh, well, when I first got to art school, it's a general year. Uh, so, you, you know, you try your hand at a bunch of different things, mm-hmm. basically, I suppose, to try and gather a breadth of experience and work out where you want to go. I just knew I wanted to do painting, but I got so freaked out that I ended up choosing photography. Really? Which was curious in itself. I, I mean, I had always been interested in photography ever since my grandparents gave me this little uh, camera, one of those ones where you flip the lid and look down and yeah. it had these light leaks in it. So I'd take these fantastic little small photographs with the little rounded corners with pink and orange flares cool. through some of the corners, which, you know, I look back on some of those photos, I used to have some of them around and they're just amazing little snapshots of my life as a child, mm. my view of the world. You know, which is quite sort of special in its own. But yeah. Um, so when I did photography, it was all about the process. It was all about being in the dark room. Well, one because I was on my own and didn't have to <laughs> face other people and take. I was never going to be a portrait photographer, or you know, I suppose landscape was about the the nearest I could get to to a, a, a subject matter that wasn't too confrontational. You know, mm, interactive <laughs> um, with others. Yeah. Um, in the end, I just spent a lot of time in the dark room. So I was taking photographs of gravestones and things and then using the chemical process on the paper. Um, I think the process was called chromoscedasis, the result, which is when you use the chemicals sort of incorrectly in a way, you end up with flares of the silver uh, nitrate, or I think it would be, the silver coming out across the paper and creating all sorts of interesting colour effects. 
Um, sometimes you'd get small rainbow hints in there. Most of the mm. time it was sort of muted browns and um, ochre tones and things. But I loved the effect of that on the paper. Mm. Um, that, and that really does come back to your grandparents. Yeah, you know, yeah, yeah. Photography. That's but amazing. it also feeds through my work over the next few decades, you mm. know. All these things, these visual things that I really enjoyed, these subtle tones and hints. Um, and also this interest in finding out what materials can do, um, sort of exploring and not necessarily just, uh, well, you need to know uh, the tolerance in terms of archival tolerance, I suppose, with your materials. But you also want to know, well, I wanted to know where I could take things. But um, back then, you know, at art school, um, I guess I, I wasn't really meeting the brief. I, I did flounder a lot. So I, I think after I did a year of photography or a couple of years of photography, I just wasn't being successful enough. And I wanted to transition to doing painting. Um, and my mum went to bat for me because I don't think they were very impressed with my art making skills. And um, she sort of went into bat for me and they took me back and I did two years of painting after that. So my entire fine arts degree was instead of four years was five. Oh, wow. <laughs> but good, at the though. end of the day, um, well, and then I went back into painting and then I ended up floundering there because I didn't know what I was trying to do mm. with that either. Mm. I just knew that paint was something I understood. Um, it's was, quite hard, I think, at that age when you haven't sort of figured out, you know, all the thoughts in your head yeah. just in life in general. Yes. It's quite hard, isn't it, to focus on something that you want to express through art. It is, and when especially when you feel like you're needing to do it within a certain time frame mm. to certain briefs and you have to prove your working process. I wasn't very good at keeping workbooks. Um, my work was my process. I just I never really considered anything that I did to be a work in progress. It was I just kept working on works that I finished, mm. you know, um, and so – my exploration was through finished artworks, not really through little elements of play or, mm. you know, and um, now experiments. It, with your practice, you obviously do a lot of research and, and writing is connected to your painting. Yeah, yeah. Now it's completely different. Yeah. Um, I wish I was the kind of artist I am now back then. Mm. <laughs> but then the main lesson I have I have has said before about going through art school was perseverance, what it taught me. Because, I mean, I wanted to give up halfway through. And I had heard stories about other well-known New Zealand artists who had given up art school as well. So I figured, well, there's no shame in it. In fact, maybe I'm joining this sort of great club of <laughs> soon-to-be, one-day great artists who didn't complete <laughs> art school. But um, what it did te me, teach me was perseverance. And I cottoned on to this fact, to what well, seemed a fact to me, that to be a good artist really is about just keeping on doing it and getting better because there are a lot of people who may give up or for some one reason or another can't carry on or, you know, choose to do something else instead. So part of it for me was just doing it. And that also means not thinking that I have to wait for inspiration, but just to start. Uh, however, when I left art school, um, Due to my personal life, I, again, and because I was floundering at art school, it took me a couple more years, really, until I was into my mid-twenties before I started to actually paint again on any regular basis. Mm -hmm. And that's when I started to do um, so, sort of surreal landscapes that were from my head, not from real life. Um, and I would incorporate little quirky elements like lanterns or kind of symbolic elements into these landscapes um all, all painting at that point uh yeah all painting that I work in acrylic mainly um at that point I found um while I was quite impatient and it dried quickly and so I could keep working and I could get paintings done um a little quicker that way um and also oil seemed a little bit mysterious to me and I wasn't 100% certain I could use it in the way it's you're supposed to um I also think as a kid I tried oil and it was just ended up being really brown and muddy <laughs> because I was, again, too impatient and just kept mixing and layering and it was just a disaster. Yeah, so, you've got to wait. Uh, acrylic was my thing. Mm. Um, so I was doing these landscapes um, and I suppose over time I ran out of ideas in my head. I still liked the idea of the, the little symbolic 
items in there, you know, um, that represented different things. Mm. Um, but I don't know, it was running dry for me. So, yeah, I started to photograph the environment around me. And I was able so you, to work you went from back those. to the photography. Yeah, the photography became a resource um, rather than a creative end. Um, yeah. It was part of the process. Um, oh, that's interesting. Yeah, and always writing. Always, you know, I think a lot of crea- creative people use poetry and writing as a way of processing what's going on inside and your thoughts and where you're heading. So that's always been sort of bubbling away in the background mm, as well. Yeah. So just going back to your mid-twenties there, when you came out of high school, you started painting again after a few years. But what were you doing career-wise? Uh, well, I ended up being a graphic designer. Um, I did do uh, jobs through when I was at university. Um, one of them was working in an art store and and that was on High Street, and one thing led to another, and somebody and I needed a job, and somebody said, hey, there's a screen printing company on the shore. Um, you know, do you want to go interview for them? And I hadn't used a computer, I hadn't touched a computer, and this job was on a computer. So I, that for some reason they took me on. I think they needed, they were looking for somebody who was creative to design uh, tourist designs for T-shirts, and so, you know, I mm. convinced them. Um that I must be the great person for the job <laughs> and they hired me and I spent this really stressful six weeks just learning how to use Adobe Illustrator 5 back then and a computer. Yeah. So it, that was intense. But good, good learning. Yeah, that mm. was my first serious sort of job and mm. ended up being a graphic designer um, since then. So um, it's sort of a way of earning mm. a living that's consistent and you know, a lot, yeah. of, a lot of creative people can't solely rely on just what they make. Although I'd love to be a full-time artist, um, I need to have that regular income and, mm. and be able to trust it. So for me, that's that's been the road that I've taken. Yeah, and you've obviously, you know, had three children and amongst working yeah. as a yeah. graphic designer. And do you feel like the graphic design informs your art practice? Absolutely. I think I've been quite fortunate because um, I'm the sort of personality that likes orderliness and, you know, I think I get that from my mum. She's a fantastic organiser. She's a teacher. Uh-huh. And I come from a family of teachers. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, that structure sometimes gets in the way. But over the years, I've learned how to use it in a positive way mm. and to understand its limitations for me and, and where it's useful. What do you mean it gets um, in the way? Well, I think sometimes I'd like to feel I'm more creative, more expressive, um, more spontaneous. Experimental. Yeah, I wish sometimes I didn't perhaps think so far ahead about how am I going to ship this work? You know, how is it going to be hung on the wall? And think through all of those processes before I even start. Um, sometimes those practical you know, how am I going to store this massive piece of artwork? Mm. It sort of hindered me. Sometimes I've chosen not to make things because I haven't been able to work those things out. Mm. But on the flip side, it's actually been beneficial because in working those things out, it means that I've got confidence right to the very end that yeah. what I'm making, I can display it, I can get it out there. Um, yeah. Somebody else can pick it up and hang it up. Um, and I, for me, that feels professional. It's like the professional side of my practice. Mm. Um, and if you're the kind of person who needs to have thought that through, it's probably going to help your actual art making. At the end of the day, yeah, at the end of the day. Also, I've learned, oh, okay, two things. Um, being able to use a computer and being informed about how to use social media and that kind of thing means that I can self-market, which means I don't have to pay somebody to do it. So that's a bonus in mm. itself. Um, mm. It sometimes, I suppose, means it's difficult to step outside and view myself like someone else would. So to, to write about myself, you know, from a, the other side of the chair, you know, it can be a bit difficult. Um, but yeah, I think I do okay. I try. Mm. Yeah, no, um, you've got a really good presence on social media. Yeah, well, I, oh, okay, I think I've digressed. But anyway, let's carry on down here. Yeah. <laughs> um, so uh, the Instagramming has actually become my workbook in many ways. Um, it's visual, and I'd have to thank one of my friends for introducing it to me. Um, it's highly visual, of course. Um, it's a way of communicating with other people about why I do what I do. Yeah, absolutely. Um, what I like about it is it's current and it's a, a fantastic vehicle for communicating and hearing back 
um, in the now uh, from people that are interested in my work and other artists. Okay, they might not be interested in my work, but they're interested in being creative and so you can, you know, share stories with mm. them and they can share stories with you. But um, a website is great. It's great to have your presence there, but it's quite static. Yeah. And I find this much more interactive and engaging. Um, and I love flipping back even on my own feed. Um because I can check on some of the resources that I've posted, like I post the doy, you know, pictures of doilies that I've found, materials that I've found, uh, books that I've read. Um, so it's inspiring for me to have a look back too when mm. I'm just sort of, you know. Yeah, it's like a photo album, isn't it? Really? Yeah, yeah. I can sort of see where I've come or, I mean, sometimes practically I just need to remember what I called something or yeah. the size of a work and I can just flip through and, and yeah. look to where I posted about it and. Yeah, no, it's, it's a great yeah. way of communicating, I think. Yeah. Um, so let's just go back to um, your current practice mm. or, you know, even back a bit further to, um, you know, when you started painting in your mid-twenties and then sort of what happened from there. So mm. from your landscapes that you're talking about, your surreal landscapes, where where did you go from there? Um, well, over the – well, I suppose I moved on to – uh, there was one one part of my work where I was doing quite vibrant, urban-looking works, lots of pylons and um, telephone poles and things like that. And what I found was that I was absorbing this journey that I'd experienced as a kid from the Waitakere's into the city and back again. It was a part of my world you know sitting in the back of the car while my parents drove and watching the, these things pass by you know staring out into space and looking at the sea and the horizon and Rangitoto in the background and you know and then suddenly you're up scenic drive and you've got the bush and you know enclosing the vehicle and I think my work started to reflect some of these things um, I was becoming conscious of environmental concerns as well and wanted somehow to express that mm. So it was a way of communicating some ideas and it was another way of working that didn't work out in the end for me. And so I've been through a number of phases, creative phases, trying to work out how to express myself, trying to, my art being a vehicle for communicating, for saying something, for uh, presenting ideas, for discussion, um, and I, I would get frustrated if the the work itself, the the practice of putting it together, would get in the way of whatever story or idea was going on. Mm. And I also got frustrated if the the way I was making artwork wasn't telling a story yeah. as well. So at that time with the pylons, was it sort of realistic? It's quite a- expressive work. Um, quite colourful. I was really enjoying the, how colours can ping, how they clash, um, how they move forwards and backwards in a composition. Um, I tend to flatten my compos- compositions out a lot. I've fought that all my life. Well, I have felt I have anyway. Um, that I that I tend to flatten things out and mm. work from a slightly more abstract mm. perspective. Why have you fought that? Do you think? Ah, uh, because I I enjoy the way other people create work which seems so real and alive. And so I felt somehow it was a lack on my part not to be able to do that easily. Mm. My work always has really strong, always had really strong horizon lines in it. Um, it was just a composition thing I couldn't get away from. It was mm. just really strong. And maybe it was because as a child I was always looking out into mm. the distance and yeah, looking at the line of the hills. and telling your story, isn't it? Yeah, there's still something in it, but... Um, in the end, I, I moved from these abstract or colourful, strong, urban-looking artworks um, into color, tearing up the canvas, uh, trying to create three-dimension with the work, trying to create texture. Because um, acrylic for me was also quite flat. Um, and I, with I think with all these vibrant paint strokes, was trying to build up some sort of texture, something that was just, you know, a bit chunky. Mm. Um so I ended up tearing up the collage pieces, which was a really cool period of time with my artwork. And, um, you know, a number of people really enjoyed the way I was working. I got a lot of good feedback from it. But it became boring and laborious sitting there tearing up the pieces. And mm. although it was a challenge on at first to be either painting all the pieces individually and then assembling them and sort of trusting that I could do this jigsaw puzzle um, or it, 
putting the pieces on the canvas and then painting over the top of it. Mm. Um, I, I liked the way it broke the surface up. I liked the way it caused you to view the artwork in a way that was fractured, like you were looking through a stained glass window mm. or uh, imagining the erosion of a surface mm. and the canvas sort of became these different things. I did a whole series of work based on water. So I did a lot of research about water and its various states and what it did and, and you know, everything from uh, water spouts in the ocean to the molecular structure of water um, to the various states that you can find it in. And I, you know, configured all of these abstract pieces of canvas in various ways to talk about that. There was one I did, which is quite a large painting, which I really enjoyed, and it was about um, koi fish uh, being introduced into New Zealand waterways and how mm. they muddied the water. So the artwork sort of had a skyline and then it had this deep murky greens and browns underneath with these um, loose pieces of canvas that were twisted and were almost like reeds or kelp or mm. something like that. Sounds and I, beautiful. I enjoyed kind of taking, I suppose, creating a limitation for myself by tearing the canvas apart only to put it together in a way that worked for the subject I was trying to mm. Um, so that was the we'll ripped try. up canvas pieces on canvas. On canvas, and how were yeah. you attaching that? Uh, well, using really thick glue. Um, yeah, started to push the boundaries with it by allowing some of the canvas pieces to free fall outside of the canvas itself. Um, I remember I did a piece which uh, was a secondhand frame, and then I allowed the canvas to drip out of the frame from the inside surface, just sort of starting to think yeah what else can I do with the canvas but then it became all about the canvas and it became more difficult to sort of say something with it it was all just getting difficult and annoying mm. <laughs> you know like the whole yeah. process yeah. was getting in the way of feeling spontaneously yeah. creative yeah but that's um, part of it isn't it often with an artist's practice that you go through phases yeah. And sometimes you need to move on from a certain yeah. phase. But I was starting to feel like, when am I going to find something that will stick? Mm. You know? Um, because I'm aware that that's true for artists. You go through phases. But I've also felt that there's a pressure to find your personal style, something that people can recognize you by, uh, so they can just look at that piece on the wall and go, I know who did that. Yeah. Um, and I'm also aware commercially that what well, it feels like this to me anyway, um, if you've got a recognizable style and you've been working in that way, you are believable. Um, people are more willing to invest their time maybe to promote you because they can trust what you're going to produce. Mm. So I felt perhaps by changing styles again, um, I was undoing some of that. Potentially. Yeah, it's an interesting one, isn't it? The style and what you're sort of presenting to the world. I've just listened to a podcast by Lisa Congdon, who's mm -hmm. a, I think she's a Canadian artist, um, and she talks about style. She's written a book about that too, yeah. actually, and just kind of retaining elements of what you do, whether it's colour or composition or texture mm. or, um, you know, use of space or subject matter mm -hmm. is enough mm. in her eyes you know just yeah. just holding on to something that sort of takes is like a thread through all of your yeah work that yeah you no create. that sounds really valid I I can relate yeah, to that. yeah I, I related to that mm. I think it's probably quite important to remember so I don't get well personally I don't get too down on mm. <laughs> the transitions and the shifts mm. um but you definitely the work that you're doing now is definitely that's an Arwen Flowers. Yeah, yeah, you can tell. I think it's definitely got my sort of own stamp on it. Yeah, um, which is partly why I'm really enjoying doing what I'm doing, and I've done it for about a couple of years now, mm. and I don't have any inkling inside of myself that it's going to go away or change yeah. um, apart from only exploring it further mm, which is great isn't um, it so that's the place that you've been you've yeah. been trying to get to for some yeah. time I mean I'd I'd explain it by saying it's got legs you know it, yeah. I can work with it it's 
yeah, it's got longevity. There, there's plenty of, of scope in there. Yeah, um, definitely. So just going back to the canvas and tearing it up, um, in the end I started putting the canvas onto the pieces onto the canvas and then started painting landscapes over the top. So it was like I was shifting back to mm. what I was doing and then I just got rid of the canvas pieces and started doing the landscape again and was making a serious effort at trying to produce some work that I was really proud of. And I suppose in a way I was – having a bit of a personal rebellion to this what seemed to me people's enjoyment of realistic almost photographic art it seems to be very popular well I know lots of kinds of art are popular but this was my personal moment where I was thinking people are really into this kind of thing and I don't make art for other people I make it for myself but I can't help but be influenced by what I think uh, is Good, and that's a big, big question. What is good art? Mm, yeah, so I'm not even going to get into that. <laughs> we need <laughs> another episode. For that's that. a whole other thing. But um, I was enjoying. I've always done landscape, so I was thinking, okay. So uh, over a few years, I developed a personal style with making landscape paintings that I really enjoyed, and I was proud of, and I was good at. Um, but it came back to the same scenario. What am I saying with this work? You know, I'm fine artist trained, and so it's not just about painting a painting that's attractive um, or, okay, that's not always why you have to paint a painting, but for me I wanted to paint work that was attractive, um, but I wanted it to have more depth to it than that. Mm, um, more narrative? Yeah. Uh, and also they were taking ages to do, and I don't have a lot of time to paint. I put aside as much time as I can, but if it's taking me three months to do a painting – it's not cutting it. I, I can't handle it. Mm. Um, so I think I got to a point where I just needed to shift it again. And a few personal things went on and I I needed to play and I stopped painting the landscapes. And I went back to looking at materials and I suppose naturally – you know, I was looking at secondhand shops because they're fun to look at. And um, I'm trying to think. I had started to do things like um, print out on acetate, you know, with my printer and cut out shapes and start to assemble them on paper, uh, small scale, so that it was playful, not didn't feel so intimidating, didn't feel so serious. Um and then from there, I created a body of work which was um, to do with navigating and exploration, uh, which I suppose is a way of trying to find a sense of place as a New Zealander um, in this great Pacific space that I've grown up in here. Um, and, okay, I have – oh, gosh, I have to digress again because I did a residency in 2016 and that was – very much to do with exploration and navigation. And mm. I completely switched materials there and did photography and printmaking. Wow. <laughs> so that actually comes to play a part later mm. with, with the collage that mm. I started getting into. Yeah. But that little, I'll talk about that for a minute, that little, um, that space that I had that month was an amazing period of time for me to get away from the painting and to do something completely new. Mm. Um, and I ended up doing a lot of research and um, choosing to do Van Dyke Brown photography process, and which is an alternative um, way of producing images without using a camera. I was using a glass sheet and the chemical and using the sun to expose the paper, yeah. which produces a really rich brown colour. Um, and I used the native foliage around me because the residency was in Piha, which is a really lovely place to be. Mm, and it was an envi a beautiful environment yeah. up in amongst the old Putakawa trees. Mm, and it's kind of returning to where you grew up. Yeah, almost. yeah. And just having that experience of not having to work for a month and being able to create a routine of waking up, making artwork for the day, settling mm. down for the oh evening. Oh, my gosh, that sounds like such a it treat. Was just amazing. And really, how did, really just amazing. Just going back on that, how did you, how did you get that? Did, did you apply for I it? I applied for it, yeah. I applied for it. Um, it was a residency that was set up by Earth. Skin, which I don't think they are running in here in Murawai. 
Oh, that's, that's still going. Yeah. Is it? Mm. Okay. I had a funny feeling they might not have been doing it. Um, but if they're doing it, that's great. So mm. it was, yeah, set up through that. Oh, um, okay. And they had various, a uh, couple of places around the North Island, at least, I think, that they could ballot people out. Um, but I ended up in Pihauso, which was good because I did have the children. I was small and I did go back home uh, periodically through the week mm. um, to go and, you know, get them off to school and see them for the evening and that kind of stuff. Mm. So. Uh, just kind of keep the family thing going. Um, mm. So that really sort of took you down another path. Yeah, it did. So I, I, I've loved printmaking. My sister, as I mentioned, my sister did printmaking at art school, and I've and some of my close friends at art school also did printmaking. And I loved the texture, the tone, um, the subtlety of it, which I found difficult to create in paint. It's just I just couldn't do it in a way that I was ever happy with. So um, I ended up combining the two and using a gel plate um, and I would use you know the ink on the gel plate and put the leaves on create imprints um, then take a print from that um, and then I would also put the photography uh, emulsion on top of the print once it was dry and expose it with the leaves so you could see through some areas to the color underneath um, and that was fantastic little process that mm. I came about. But that was towards the latter half of the residency. The first half, I was uh, actually making my own negatives and printing out um, various imagery, really, and composing them together um, and then exposing the emulsion to my own made negatives, which was really cool. Quite mm. quite difficult. Yeah, sounds um, interesting. Had, there were limitations with the materials, like I had to do several layers of the negative and I had to print it out one way, print it out another way, cross them over mm. because the printer would uh, have a, a bit of a dot, you know, dot line through it. So um, I needed to sort of negate that. Ended up painting on the negatives to stop, you know, light getting through in some areas. And yeah, wow. it's quite, quite complex technically yeah. just to produce some of the images. And um, it's quite experimental in that time. Mm, mm. And the whole thing was all about looking at why we collect from the environment. So I went to Auckland Museum, incredibly helpful, went and had a look at the natural history department there, looking at you know taxidermy birds and bottled things um, and things stuck with pins on trays. And yeah, fantastic, really, really interesting. Mm. Um even a lot of botanical things that have been collected in Auckland's early life that have been stored there, looking at the breadth of our flora and fauna, um, and just really thinking about our connection to the environment and why we take things from it and keep it with us, our, with you know, with us, like going to Rotorua when I was a kid and having those little glass vials with layers of sand. Um, why we go to the beach and pick up shells and mm. stones, mm. Um, driftwood, mm. yeah, all that, and you know, even keeping samples so that we keep a track of mm. the species that we're losing or you know mm. what's going on there. Mm. So yeah, there's a lot of different reasons, yeah, and that sort of connects a lot with your sourcing, sourcing materials from yeah, that secondhand shops, collecting all, sort of yeah. habit, I suppose, and it's kind of honouring the past, yeah, in some way. Yeah, and I, but it also got me thinking about the early explorers um, and when they arrived at a new place and they would collect botanical specimens. And it wasn't always very glorious, of course. They would be taken back and, you know, used to make money, um, sold, um, and they weren't always very generous or kind in the way they took things. Um, that led me to thinking about what it is to travel, to go to a new place, to be in a new environment and how you'd see it. Mm. So I was writing quite a bit of poetry about that as well um, from a feminine perspective too. The idea of being a woman on an island for the first time, sort of no matter how you get there, um, and what you'd make of it. And, and if you ever left, whether you'd tell people where you'd been or what you'd seen and knowing that potentially people would arrive there and it would never be the same again. Um, and yet that that pressing need to share would exist, especially if you'd seen some spectacular new species of mm. animal or insect or something. Yeah. Um, so it was a magical time, really, and and really I think my artwork has grown as a result of that month and all the work that I put into preparing for it mm. um, and the work that came after. 
Yeah, has has I mean that was a massive springboard, I suppose. Yeah, which is amazing. So my work has gone on to continue to have elements of mm. ideas of collecting and exploration and um, being in this amazing space. So, yeah, and yeah. it's um, you know, it's obviously informed your practice, and to have that opportunity to sort of immerse yourself mm. in yourself, almost, you know, mm. and. To develop your thoughts is yeah. such a great thing, isn't it? Yeah. It's um, like often we don't have time. No, well, that's that. it. The, the fact is we're often very busy. And, um, you know, when you do have family life and you are working, it's sometimes difficult to string two thoughts together and uh, be able to form that kind of coherent um, building of your practice. Um, I think I've become quite adept at coming back to what I've been working on now. I mean, I've had to do it for so long. So. Yeah. Yeah, I, I'm used to it now, uh, yeah. which means that if I've only got an hour to work, I work for an hour. Yeah. If I've got half an hour, sometimes I'll sit down for an hour. I have, I think actually having limitations has caused me to work harder and more consistently than if I've got all the time in the world. Not that I don't want all the time in the world, I do. Mm. But when I know that I've only got a couple of hours in a week, then I'm more inclined to be prepped and to get into it and to mm. make the work do you think that's sort of a result of the kind of work you're making at the moment that allows for that? Or is it just your headspace mindset? Um, I'm thinking back across the way, different ways that I've worked. I think it's more of a headspace thing because I've worked in different media now. I've, done, I've had the same approach. I've got down and I've painted, even if it's been an hour or two hours. Um, I've got down and done some collage, even if I've only had an hour or two. Mm. Um, and with the current way that I'm working in these materials – same thing. Mm. Um, and do you have an actual set-up space? I do. Um, I've got a couple of different spaces, actually, all over the place. Um, so I just I have them set up for different reasons and for different things. You know, uh, I'll go out to the, under the garage to do some of the messy stuff, um, the more uh, quiet, sit-down stuff I can do inside. Um, I've got another space outside of Auckland as well that I can do work there. And that's, uh, I'm currently sort of setting that up mainly for more of the collage. Um, so, yeah, yeah, I do have different mm. different places Sometimes to work. Sometimes that helps, doesn't it, if you can leave yeah. some stuff set up. Yeah. Yeah. So, so uh, are you ready to talk about your current work or is there yeah, more well, that we can discuss? Because I, I just talked about the residency and then head straight back into the collage because that's where I sort of left off with that one. Yeah. Um, I was needing to process a few things. And so I was collecting materials and I ended up, you know, cutting out uh, dressmaking patterns from the fronts, you know, like there's an example on your um, post on the blog there um, of the type of collage that I've I've been doing. Mm. Um, and I noticed that the collages, as I did about 10 or 15 of them, were taking on a South Pacific feel. I was using shells and beads and little cut out bits of tarpa cloth um, figures and I found these fantastic music manuscripts and I was cutting out words from them in, in a sort of poetic way in order to title the work or express an idea and they were fun and a bit sassy and kind of pushing the boundaries a little bit in a way that I would be too afraid to do on a one-off larger painting mm. so I could afford to be a little bit more playful um, and maybe say things I wouldn't normally feel I could say with a, with a painting mm. and that when I was looking back on the work, I realized, well, actually, this is looking at who am I, my identity, because I have struggled with feeling I can draw from culture around me. Um, and yet, I'm not very connected to my British heritage, either, because I'm fourth, fifth generation New Zealander. So I feel very New Zealand. But what is that? Mm, you know, it's very right. hard, hard yeah. for me to kind of figure out. I, I don't know. Well, I guess I just felt like I wasn't allowed to draw from Maori or Pacific Island culture, and yet I'm immersed in it in a in a way mm. without even trying. Mm. Although my parents are very encouraging, I remember taking books of, you know, myths and legends out of the library when I was a kid and being really interested in you know Maori story and mm. well it is part of our yeah our heritage yeah going to the museum and and mm. seeing all sorts of artifacts and um so I guess I started to think well 
perhaps that is what it is in a very simple way. It's me finding out and going on this journey of discovering who I am and amongst that and telling my own stories in a way. Mm. Um, I'm very careful because, I, you know, it's like nobody wants to offend anybody. I don't draw from the symbols and the cultural elements around me in my work because I'm trying to misrepresent or steal or any of that. Uh, I It would really alarm me if somebody felt that I'd done that. For me, it's more about looking at the commonality between how we as humanity uses a lot of these different elements, the triangle, the spiral, um, the cross shape. A lot of these things are present across the world and for a long time since humanity's been making imagery. Mm. Um, I like to think that I am telling my own stories, um, sometimes my own misalegions, sometimes my own thoughts about what it is to be a woman in this place um, or a person. Um, I'm really interested in the idea of identity because it's so shifting now. Lots of people identify in different ways. Um, I like I like to think that, well, I was raised by my parents who were incredibly non-judgmental. That was my feeling anyway. And I I feel like I'd like to approach my artwork in a way that is all encompassing and looking at common ground rather than looking at differences. Yeah. I mean, di- differences are attractive and exciting. It's what makes us unique. Mm. But also to remember there's a lot of common ground between people, even when it might not appear like mm. that on the surface. Absolutely. So, so can you um, can you actually describe your work, Arwen, for people who aren't familiar with it? Mm. You know, how would you how would you describe it? Um. I find it difficult to be honest. Um, it's it's abstract, and yet there's identifiable shapes in there. Um, uh, oh, I did I did write something the other day that was going to explain it quite well, but I can't remember. Anyway, <laughs> I think yeah, I think part of the process informs what it is. Um, mm. I mean, essentially, I use a painted background at the moment anyway, a painted background and I use dressmaking patterns and I cut out the the sheets of tissue um, following the lines of the pattern shapes and I use those as a a structure um, to create a composition. What fascinated me originally is um, I love the notion of space in tapa cloth or bark cloth um, and how those spaces incorporate imagery and they break up the surface. Um, and for me, the dressmaking patterns started to sort of do that. Mm. They broke up the surface of the canvas and within each piece I could tell a part of a whole story and I could use pattern and symbolism to do that. Um, so sometimes I draw more realistic things like flax and um, houses and people or you know bits and pieces. Um, and sometimes I... I like to abstract that out into the symbols and create mm. my own versions of symbols. Um, I love looking through weather map symbology, cartography, all of those things play into the ideas of navigating, exploring movement, um, the the earth and the sky, uh, and they represent all those different things and they come together uh, to talk about who we are, you know, mm. and, and the place that we're inhabiting. Mm. Um, and how do you take those, you know, when you're when you're cutting up these different things? Because you use doilies and other yeah. materials that you've sourced. Yeah, so we've, we've got the dressmaking patterns and then I use the doilies, um, the embroidery, uh, needlework, cross-stitch, lace, uh, and I take rubbings of those. And that for me is kind of addressing my love of printmaking mm. uh, with the the – the way of capturing the surface and there's this connection to the women that make these objects which I love to include in my work it feels like I'm drawing on some kind of history Mm. that is in my background you know my my granny did granny blankets and um you know the crocheting and the the lace making so what I noticed when I was using the the doilies um is how they the patterns within them can start to look quite Pacific. Um, mm, that's true. The, there's shapes, um, 
triangles, diamonds, um, repetition mm. that is sympathetic uh, in the way they look. And I loved the culmination, the way it was coming together. So in a way, the process became important and but worked sympathetically with what I was after in terms of the final artwork. And that's always been a big, big thing for me. Uh, I've always thought if you're going to make a piece of artwork, I've always asked the question sort of, well, how big should it be to best suit what you're trying to say? Or what materials should you use to best suit your final outcome? I think if you choose well, somebody who's looking at the artwork will get it. Mm, it will make sense. It will make sense. Um, so that's been quite important to me to look carefully at my materials. And anyway, it's so delicious using all these different things. Mm, I love it. I just gorgeous. I love putting it all together. And each mm. step and each part of making the artwork, I have to make decisions mm. on where I'm going to put things and why I put them there. Mm. And It's very much about composition, isn't it? Yeah, and there's a lot of spontaneous elements in there as well as um, – uh, most of the time I have an overarching idea of where I'm heading. I've written a poem and I've had some ideas and I've done some research and I know what the artwork's going to be about. Um, but then I come up against, or I come up, yeah, I suppose, against the materials. Sometimes they're working with me, sometimes they're not. Um, and it's from there that I, I move the pieces around and, and form the shapes mm. to what I want. Currently I'm working on a piece which is a bit more abstract than some of the previous ones. Um, but that's because it's about reflection. It's another Matariki-inspired artwork, and I'm looking at the shapes of the, you know, stars in the sky reflected in water. So, you know, it, it means I've got similar she shapes in the top as in the bottom, mm, um, and similar kind of patterns at the top and at the bottom. But, but you know, then trying to also make it interesting. Mm. Um, and do sometimes do you end up sort of going down a different path than you expected when sometimes. the materials are are bringing unexpected surprises. Yeah, yeah, and sometimes I deliberately do that. Occasionally I'll make a piece of work where I, I don't have an idea in mind. I like to do that. It's um, It feels uh, kind of like a meditation. There's this lovely moment where I'm conscious of putting together things in a way that works, as well as allowing for spontaneous discovery, um, you know, the way ink might flow, the way the paint, you know, forms itself on the canvas. It's almost like being guided by the materials. They speak to me about what I'm supposed to do. Mm. So it's a conversation. Yeah, I love that. Um, which is, it's really nice. And I find it quite therapeutic when that happens. Mm. When I've planned the work and I know what it is that I'm meant to be doing, if I know it too much, it sort of starts to become a bit boring for Tedious. me. Tedious. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, so yeah, what I was going to say about the dressmaking patterns is that um, I love the fact that they're quite fibrous. They're, they're a tissue. They're like a skin. They're like um, a body in a way. Um, we, we think about who we are, what we wear, how we present ourselves to the world, who we are inside of our own skin. So the dressmaking patterns have become quite an important part of, of talking about being human. Um, and I can push that and pull it in different directions depending on what's in my head at the time mm, um so cool and how do you apply the, the pattern uh the patterns are applied with a really thin layer of a type of glue um and it's a, a bit of a tricky process um i've learned to work with them uh do you yeah. put down the glue first uh yeah you do you have to do that mm. um and then you've got to work pretty quick because <laughs> mm, it's such a flimsy yeah. material. Yeah, they it? are. They're pretty flimsy, but mm. that's what makes them wonderful yeah. to use. And um, they become quite translucent. They are quite translucent. So there's various ways that I deal with that too, depending on what's going on in the background. Mm. Um, do you do a lot, a lot of layering or not? Uh, no. I, in the back of my mind, I've got ideas about some things I could do with the tissue pieces, some things I, I could experiment with, but I'm still happy working the way I'm working at the moment like it's not static I've got there's things that I'd, I've got there in, in the background for the future mm. but I'm trying to build up a body of work for I'd love to have a show at some point so you know make a few pieces sell a few pieces I'm still trying to get the numbers up so that I can do that um yeah it was, so it's always just a battle of time mm. and, and work yeah um, but anyway the materials themselves are fabulous I use charcoal graphite um and I use uh, paint markers, which are perfect for what I do. Um, and I also use gilding, which is an important part of the final work. Uh, and I see it as a way 
of referring to gilding on ceramics like plates and cups and you know collectibles treasures and that's how I like it on the artwork it's a way of highlighting areas and treasuring certain areas mm. and allow, and it forms an integral part of the composition so yeah. that your eye will move around mm. and I can draw attention to certain parts and it's a way of saying this work is special mm, I like as that. well yeah. um, and it's so beautiful to have that sort of re- reflective element yeah yeah uh, painting is quite different at night too. Um, a lot of people like looking at their work. I think it tells a completely different story sometime mm. in different lights. And I find with the gilding, um, it does change the way the painting looks in certain lights. Mm. You kept, capture things that you didn't see before. Yeah, so. absolutely. And th- that's gold leaf. Yeah, yeah. I use gold leaf, uh, silver, um, and then you need to varnish over the top, mm. uh, stop any oxidization because I don't use uh, pure gold leaf all the time. Mm. Um, I just use what I can get. So. And can you talk about your use of colour? Uh, my use of colour at first was fairly neutral um, and that was a reflection of looking at um, the decoration on bark cloth. Um, and I think I liked the neutral colours. They were more calming, um, environmental related. However, I've pushed it a little bit into using reds, blues, and I'm really enjoying those. Um, and there's probably more colour to come, but I don't want to do it for the sake of it. Um, there's always a good reason as to why I choose the colours that I do. Mm. Um, in fact, that's pretty much my practice. I think about what I'm applying and why I'm applying it. There's usually always some good reason. Mm. And um, what sort of reasons? Is it emotional or physical? Uh, both, well, both. It depends, really. I mean, if the artwork is about something um, and I have to think about does this contribute to what this painting is about, really. Um, and then in terms of materials, it's about the limitations. You know, can I work with this? Is it doing what I want it to do? Mm. Yeah. Um, so I think in the future I'd like to do really big work. I do have – I did a quite a large work, which was almost two metres tall by about – or just over a metre and a half wide, and that was suspended off a rod. And I do have another one which I can extend to about four metres long, and I'd love to do some panels on that. Mm. But it does come down to storage and, and getting the work displayed. And, yeah. um, you know, I like to make work for myself, but at the end of the day – if I'm going to spend that long on a painting, you know, where's it going? What's it doing? Mm. Mm, I don't know. Yeah. But, you know, having your own show would be amazing. And, and we were just talking earlier about finding your own space, which could be yeah. interesting. Or, yeah. you know, whether you're in a gallery or a community gallery or mm. which way you take it. It's quite tricky to know, isn't it? It is. And my I find my work because of the detail and the complexity on with it. Um, if it sits among a lot of other work, I think it gets lost. And I'd really love to see all of my work together in uh, a nice clean space. Yeah. And you I can take it in. And they complements, they complement each other. So yeah, they do. I mean, I've got a couple of pieces hung up on my own wall at, ho- mm. at home and I love it. You know, they, they work well together. Yeah, yeah um, definitely. Mm. Yeah, it's a good idea. Yeah. Something to aim for. <laughs> yeah, I've just constantly got my eye out, my ear to the ground, you know. Yeah. It has to be the right space um, in the right place. Mm. So, yeah, mm. at some point. So is there anything else you'd like to talk about with your practice or process? Um, well, I don't know. I can, It's pretty well covered. Yeah, yeah. It's just, you know, keep keep growing it, keep yeah. trying new things. Mm. Um, so are you interested in, in extending your use of materials, do you think, or carrying on with what you have? At the moment I'm comfortable with what I've got, but there's never say never, you know. Um, that's what's exciting. Mm. Um, I haven't anywhere near explored the materials I'm currently using to their full capacity. Mm. Um, and I, I think that's the thing about scale as you go bigger. Um, you have to use things in different ways. So that's mm. just a whole exploration and in itself. techniques too. Yeah. There's a couple of other surfaces that I've got in mind um, that I'll just keep in the back of my head for now, but um, that I'd like to try uh, and continue pushing this whole Pacific crossover with European sort of cultural mix. Mm. Um, we'll see, yeah, see mm. where it goes. Exciting. Can't wait to see where you take it. And it's so great, isn't it, that you found what you feel is is where you need to be at at the moment with your art? Yeah. Yeah. It feels very current for me. And that whole feeling of is it getting boring or is it getting frustrating that I've had in the past, I just don't have it now. Mm. 
Um, it feels really flexible um, and I'm in charge of it most of the time rather than it being in charge of me, which yeah. is important because, you know, I need to be able to produce what I want to produce and yeah. not find it too arduous. Otherwise, why would I want to do it? It's not fun anymore. Exactly. You yeah, know? it's just getting that balance, isn't it? Yeah. yeah. It's awesome. And it's such interesting, beautiful work. Thank you. And uh, who are there artists out there? I think I can think of one that inspires you. There's a few. I'm inspired by materials and ways of working more than artists. But I'd have to say John Poulet's work has been um, – I say his work is – inspiring to me it's different of course um but inspiring encouraging I suppose um I can't explain how except to say that as an artist he not only makes artwork but he writes poetry um as well so I find that inspirational encourages me to think of my creative practice as a whole Mm. um and his work is so personal um He's really telling stories. Yeah, and I suppose in his work, for me, I saw those printmaking qualities sometimes too, the textures. And, you know, he has his, you know, looking at colonialism and its issues um, and how he has seen that from um, a Nguyen perspective. Mm. And Um, his travel from Nguyen. He's he's, he's used his sort of journeys – yeah, is a big part of his work, isn't yeah. it? Coming to New Zealand as a child. Yeah, yeah. so it's like well, one artist looking at another artist, yeah. going, "Well, and connecting. You have found your way of working, and mm. that's fantastic, and it's encouraging to me." Mm. Um, although you know we're two completely different people, clearly. Mm. Um, I've drawn hope from it, I suppose, in a way. Yeah, which is so yeah great. And he doesn't use mixed media in the same way, but I think you can. I can. I can see the inspiration, you mm. know, just in a very subtle way. Yeah, I, I, I view his artwork as a kind of visual poetry, which I love. And he uses words in his work, which I, I've had this sort of love-hate relationship with for myself. I found it really difficult to know how to do it because I don't want to dictate in my work by Words are so strong; they're so mm. powerful. Mm. You got for me. I have to have a really good reason as to why I do it. And the few times I've tried it, it's felt clumsy and and awful. So I think the nearest I've come to it has been the collages, where I cut out the text in a poetic way in order to title the work mm. or to say something. And that works so well. And I love the mix yeah. there. That that That's, seems to work really seems well. Seems to fit, and it's yeah. not forced. No, but yeah. I haven't incorporated words into my actual artwork apart from the fact that the patterns themselves have their numbers mm. and their words and I have played on those. Mm. And using maps and mm. I guess there's a little bit of, of language in those. Yeah. yeah, yeah. And, you know, that might be something that comes through your exploration over the next yeah. few years. It would be interesting yeah. to see. Yeah. I could, I'll could. i just briefly mention there's one work I did, um, Sailing the Matuaka, which was in eighteen. Uh, 18- Oh God, 46, I think it was the title, but that actually came from the dressmaking pattern itself. Uh, that was the number on the pattern and I was curious. So I looked it up to see if there was anything interesting that happened in New Zealand on, on that date. And um, then it you mm. know, found the story about the ship that had traveled. Wow. Uh, yeah. Amazing. So, and it's so perfect for your yeah, practice. Yeah. There's more about it on my website, so I won't go into it here, but yeah, um, yeah just finding little stories like that. Mm. And so that's sort of drawing inspiration from the materials you're using. Yeah. Yeah. Very much so, yeah. yeah and are you ever inspired by the land around you? I mean, obviously earlier you were with the mm. Waitakere's. Mm. Is that still showing a presence in your work? Oh, absolutely. Um, the patterns become hills, valleys, waterfalls feature. Um, you know, they become bobbing islands in a vast ocean. Um, yeah, it's always there, those those geographical features mm. and the sort of oceanic forms, waves and, yeah. Yeah. Very cool. Always there. I think. I think in a way, it's a little bit like a set piece. Sometimes a stage for the action. Um, it's a sort of a, a grounding moment. The horizon line again. You know, mm, um, that still appears. Mm, a, a place in which life is carried out. Um, and I metaphors always very strong for me in my work, and always has been. Um, in the rain and the clouds and the trees, I see references to humanity or myself 
in various aspects. Um, yeah, so that that's always there in mm. some way. Very interesting. So um, we are going to have to wrap up shortly, but I would love to know what you love most about what you do. Oh, uh, it's the spontaneity and the freshness. Each time I finish an artwork, I can't wait to get on to the next one. It's For me, this work is an outpouring finally. It's a way of using media that I can explore ideas with and that's what I've always wanted to be able to do so you know it all works together it's synchronistic I suppose Um, all of myself is in the artwork now rather than some kind of holding back Mm. Um, there's the fewest limitations I've experienced Mm. so it feels like me it's about the best I can say, really. Yeah, and that's so um, fantastic, you know, as an artist mm, to get to that point. Mm, uh, yeah, it's yeah, a real relief, actually. Yeah, yeah. and um, to have that thought that, you know, you've got so much more to say. Yeah. That's good. Yeah. And also, you get into secondhand shops. Yeah, it's fun. It's got to be good. <laughs> Treasures. Yeah, it's a good excuse. Might yeah. try that myself, actually. <laughs> All right. Well, thank you so much, Arwen. It's been a real pleasure talking to you. I love your work. I hope to own one at some point. <laughs> and, um, yeah, it's it's really interesting to talk to a mixed-media artist, I think. And for the listeners, it, it will be interesting because it's it sort of adds a whole new element, doesn't it? Mm. Having um, Introducing different materials and making connections with that. Yeah. So, yeah, so interesting to hear your story. Thank, thank you. you so much. <laughs> You're welcome. Thanks.